Hello, everyone, and welcome to Marvelous Movie Mondays. If you've been watching, thank you, because this is part of the 24-hour subathon on the channel. How exciting, Kelsey. Kelsey just popped on. We had some great chats with some of the hosts earlier, but this is our segment devoted strictly and solely to our show, Marvelous Movie Mondays, which you can catch every single Monday. Today, you're seeing it on Saturday, because that's when we normally record it, right, Kelsey? Um, yeah. And we are going to be giving you a review for a brand new film that just hit theaters Thursday night, and that is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Now, I know because this is live streamed, we don't want to just bombard you with spoilers right away, so we will put up a banner that says spoilers later on uh in which you guys can um uh, can tune out if you haven't seen the movie but by now if you're really a marvel diehard you've probably seen the movie uh or at least kind of know what to expect so we're gonna kind of talk about it yes josh or jd quantumania yes we're here um you know we're, we're gonna talk about it as openly as we can without spoilers and then later on if we need to dive into specific spoilers we will what's up Kelsey? you look just jd's name is joshua <laughs> Yes, it is. I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, all initials stand for something, don't they? What um, a so fun you, fact to learn. That's a fun fact about the subathon. You learn so much. Uh, we, we were learning <laughs> so much. Um, so, uh, Kelsey, you want to just get into this review? Yeah. Cool. Let's do um, it, Dill. Yeah, Jake says this was a movie. It, it was. <laughs> um, oh, Jake wasn't impressed. I'll go on record right now and say, Dill, I, I enjoyed my time watching Ant-Man oh, and Wasp Quantumania. I had well, a good yeah. time. I, I think the first thing you have to acknowledge is like the fact that it hasn't been getting great reviews and like what that means. And it's really interesting reading some of those reviews because a lot of them are pointed at the filmmaking, the, the visuals, because, uh, you know, there's been a lot of slack or that uh, the visual effects department has been getting at Marvel. So like people haven't been biggest fans of how they're treated and all that. And, sure. and a lot of it has shown in some of their quality. Things seem rushed. Uh, things seem thrown together. People don't love the idea that everything kind of looks fake nowadays. It doesn't really look realistic. Like the old days of Iron Man or Captain America where everything looked tangible and like it lived in our universe. Um, but this isn't that type of movie either. This is quantum realm. I mean, it's going to feel a little bit different, but um then you have the other side which doesn't like it for like the story elements and, mm -hmm. and the fact that it is merely setting up things to come and not really existing as its own movie and i do hear some of those criticisms um i am in the camp of i'm mixed on it but the things i expected to dislike aren't the things i disliked about it the things i expected to dislike i actually was a little bit more pleasantly surprised by uh mm -hmm. which i think is is nice i, I think when you go into a film as soon as it gets that Rotten Tomatoes rate, rotten rating, you're like, all right, so I know I'm going into something that's not great. But I think that honestly helped because it kind of like lowered my expectations to where I was a little bit more pleasantly surprised. Uh, kind of like Eternals. Like we, I went into that being like, this is the first rotten movie. Like, damn. Mm -hmm. And I watched it. I was like, I love this. Um, so I think there's a lot to say about expectations and fan expectations. Also because it is the if you want to call it an episodic thing, the season premiere of phase five, you know, this is kind of like introducing us to the main villain for the rest of the next two phases and right. kind of just saying like, this is where we're going. Um, and it feels like we at least have now an idea of where it's going. Um, and, and yeah, JD brings up a good point. I mean, it does have an 84 audience score, which means people in the audience are liking it a lot more than the critics are. But again, the critics are looking at it from a deeper lens than purely enjoyability and looking at it in the grand scheme of a franchise. They're looking at it as its own movie, and looking at a lot of the technicals, a lot of the actual structural makeup of the film. 
Um, but Kels, let's talk about some of the things you did like, first of all, uh, before we get into maybe some of our negatives. Um, what was like sure. the main thing that you enjoyed the most? Because I have a very clear like favorite part about this movie. And I think cool. I have not made it a secret, but I, I, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. Well, Dill, I was interested to hear you say like the things that you expected not to like you were pleasantly surprised and the things that you didn't like were things that you didn't expect to didn't to yeah. not like because I feel exactly the same way. Like, I guess we'll get into our dislikes later. But um, the things that I did like were um, definitely like the whole world building of the quantum realm. I thought that that was super cool like this introduction to all these different characters and creatures and mm -hmm. like i i just thought that that was like it was just like so immersive like you were just like you were we were in it and it, there was mm -hmm. like no question that like any part of this wasn't like fully developed like it definitely didn't feel like a half-baked like half-developed yeah. world you know what i mean they really tried to were are like um you know felt like overwhelmed by that and thought that they were trying to do too much but i thought that it was like i was like well if we're gonna do it if we're gonna be in the quantum right. realm like let's do it you know what i mean yeah. no i definitely think it has like a very distinct look and i like all the little creatures and all that stuff it reminded me of the disney movie that came out recently strange world where it's like trying mm really hard to just make something unique and distinct because at the end of the day these are comic book movies and i feel like the mcu goes in one of two directions it goes full-fledged realism kind of like the captain america and iron man movies where it like feels like something that would happen in your universe everything's very like technology based but to the point where it's not really going into that fantasy realm and then you have stuff like this stuff like ant-man stuff like shang chi where they or this is it and stuff like Doctor Strange where it like really goes into like the whole like this is a comic book this is not real life um and this felt very much like that um yeah because the quantum realm itself and that was one of the things I was pleasantly surprised by was how inventive the world seemed mm -hmm. I do think the visuals are hit or miss in this fact that I always thought it was fake like it never really convinced me that this was a real place like it looked okay a little cartoonish at times um but i still and i still don't love like the flat kind of like brown aesthetic muddy aesthetic like i think they could have brightened it up a bit but i do think a lot of the concepts of the creatures and just the different worlds and the size and scope was really cool one of my main worries going into this film was that the beauty of the ant-man films and i'm not a huge fan of the first ant-man i like the second ant-man a lot but mm -hmm. the beauty of it i think is the idea that you're seeing him big and small within a familiar a landscape like you are used to seeing your world the way it is and you're seeing him with these thomas the tank engine trains like i love how they play with scope here sure. i was worried i was like if they're all going in the quantum realm they're all going to be the same size like yeah that's going to lose the whole point of what ant-man has been which is the fact that he's this small guy in this big world or this big guy in the small world that being said um, I think they do a good job in still giving us great shrinking and growing effects in the quantum realm, which I was surprised yeah. by. I really did like how they still played around with that. Like they did decide to like play with the scope and size and scale of him as a person, um, which is something I didn't think they would do. I thought everything was just going to be the same size because in the trailer, you see the main marquee fight is him versus Kang kind of boxing it out, basically like fist fight. And I'm like, the whole charm is that he gets bigger and smaller and bigger and smaller. Like it's just going right. to be a fist fight because they're both the same size now. Um, but I did like how a lot of action was him growing, him shrinking, all that. So like, I was yeah. pleasantly surprised by that. Like I did like, I do like how Ant-Man uses the idea of him being small and big to their advantage. Yeah. And another thing that I liked that carried over through this film that like, 
is, you know, prevalent in the first two Ant-Man films is that that there's so much heart in these movies, you mm. know, like all all Scott Lang wants to do is protect his daughter and like be a family man. Like that has been his goal since we saw him get out of prison in Ant-Man one. You know what I mean? Mm. Like he's just always wanted to be there for his daughter and like just family and like the, and like his father, daughter, this father daughter relationship that he has, like it's always at the core of these movies. And that was another thing that I really, really, really liked about this film is that it's still a very prevalent theme. Even we're in this fantastical, whimsical, crazy world, like still at the core of this movie, like it's still about like him protecting his daughter and being being there for Cassie, mm -hmm. which yeah. was sweet, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to kind of get into just like some of our favorite set pieces while we're still on the visuals. I think one of the most astounding visual effects parts was the I call it the Ralph breaks the internet moment where there's just a million Ant Mans and he's like it was in the trailer, oh so able to talk about it, but like it's like a really deal you liked this part where he was like in multiplying in terms of visuals yeah I thought it was so cool like it looked yeah. really interesting the sea of people like I like that effect where it's like people on top of people I like that um and and I thought this was really well done where he gets like big and then he kind of like spirals out of control it's like almost like your mind is twisting all this stuff um yeah I really like that sequence it added probably my favorite comedic bit which i won't spoil here um okay. that was my favorite comedic bit in the movie because it was like like that was fun that felt like ant-man to me um yeah i, I really yeah. like that set piece and i do like all the big like slugs and big monsters and all that stuff it, it, landon turned to me landon my uh one of our best friends was at the movie with us and kind of leaned to me during some of the moments and said that looks like star wars and at first i heard people comparing this to star wars and i was like yeah. star wars and mcu what and then I watch it and it makes a lot of sense. It feels kind of like you, you know, you're kind of outskirts, wasteland, different planets with all these different creatures. It felt very Star Wars-esque in that sense, like kind of like the old desert of like all these misfit alien things. Like it felt very similar. I think it's a different tone than Star Wars still. And I think some of the fights themselves are a little more overblown than Star Wars. But I think in terms of the world building and creatures, there were some similarities, which I liked. Um, Kelsey, did you have any like standout action moments or like, visual moments while we're still on the visuals and aesthetic of it all hmm. you know you just reminded me of that and i i the bit where he's like multiplying i felt like went on a little bit too long okay. i was like yeah. i i definitely you know i thought that it was funny and cool and like you know there's a bunch of paul rudds that are all looking at each other like what do we do i mm. thought that it it was a touch too long like i wish yeah. that he figured it out a little bit better yeah. um I okay, so one of my favorite like visual moments I'd have to say was when um Hope, Hank, and Janet are going to the bar and or like, you know, and Hank tries to like order the drink. He's like, Do you have anything that could get me drunk? Um, and then they're drinking those drinks and they have those cute little like squid guys in them. And then <laughs> you thought it was cute? <laughs> yeah, I thought they're, it was like, so cute. Them down. Yeah, yeah no, I know that was. I tragic. did share Kelsey before you got on to the subathon. I did share everyone my uh, incident with rodents, and and I shared your story about the olive oil. <laughs> oh really? Yes, I did. Oh, that was and, and it kind of reminded me of that, like, oh, this poor little thing, just like yeah, you know, yeah. And then Bill Murray just ate it. It was yeah tragic. Well, I, I think we can get now into kind of like the comedy and the performances in a way, like because I think the comedy that is the one element where. 
I, Ant-Man has always been like comedy films, but I think this film is trying so hard to set up a scary villain and really needs the villain to be scary. And when the film is trying to commit to that, I think it's really strong. But I do think the humor at times, and this has been a qualm I've had with some films, including Eternals, which I love, the humor sometimes got in the way. And I think that's just because Ant-Man is such a funny character, mm-hmm. but Kang is such a serious figure and the universe needs to set him up as such a scary figure that that does not blend very well. And I think that was my biggest qualm with the film. Yeah. And that was, yeah. like I said, the things I expected to be great weren't the humor. I expected to be great because it was an Ant-Man film. But the more I thought about it, I was like the film they're trying to set up. I think with any other hero, it would have been a lot more serious and it would have kind of, posed a bigger threat to the universe but because you kind of have this paul rudd kind of nonchalantness i mean the opening of the film it's the welcome back cotter it's like him kind of strolling down the street and it kind of ends that way too and it's like i just don't know if that tone is what it needed is what the mcu needed to set up its big villain and yeah you know we'll talk about this as a purely set up movie in in a bit but I, i do feel like kang spoiler was my favorite part of the movie so that when the comedy kind of interjected at times, I was a little like, oh, just let it be. Like, let them talk. Let, let it be serious if, if you're yeah. going to go that route. Because we've yeah. seen with like stuff like Thor, it's kind of done the opposite. It was so serious and they kind of lightened Thor up. Here, it feels disjointed from the first two Ant-Mans and how serious it's trying to be. But they right. still try to keep... It's like they try to keep the best of both worlds. Keep it funny for Ant-Man, but also keep it serious for Kang. And sometimes that doesn't blend really well for me. And, and I think there are some examples that are more spoiler heavy, but again, like I don't know if that always worked for me. Yeah, no, I agree, Dale. That was one of my complaints about this movie is that, cause I feel like with the first two Ant-Man movies, I feel like they're both comedies first and mm-hmm. then action movies and then yeah. a superhero movie. And I think that's the great thing about the Ant-Man movies is that they tonally, like they are, completely their own thing separate from the rest of the mcu movies and where this one it kind of fell into a trap of like tonally matching the rest of the mcu movies but i think that it worked as a you know as a disadvantage it was kind of did a disservice Mm -hmm. to the ant-man movies because it like the comedy really takes a backseat in this movie and when they try to include it it you're right it like it doesn't feel natural it doesn't feel like it it works super well and the problem is I want to see Paul Rudd be funny. Yeah. I do. Like, like I don't want to see him be like... That's what we love about like, it. Yeah, and I think that's the problem is that in this movie, you needed your hero to be a little bit more serious. And in terms of like the father-daughter thing, like you were saying, I like it, but it's also like, I've seen so many films now where it's about like the father-daughter, father-son, or mother-daughter, whatever relationship, where I felt like they needed something else. You know, yeah. it, it almost felt like kind of like a bit of the same of what we've seen in other movies, like kind of this, you know, parent child thing. Um, and that being like kind of the only story for them really, because this is essentially, I think there's a lot of people's qualms and one of my qualms, this is essentially setting up the big bad in, in MCU phase five. It's setting up Kang. And in yeah. order to do that, I feel like a lot of other characters, storylines were kind of minimalized for that. I think Janet yeah. had a lot to do in this movie because she's integral, integral, but I think yeah. Ant-Man was just there because they needed to you know, put Kang somewhere to escape from or whatever. And, and Ant-Man that made sense to go in the quantum realm. But I really feel like his actual arc with Cassie, it didn't really change for me. It was like, he, he, he loved her and wanted to protect her at the beginning with the prison stuff. He was always, you know, he was always like, dad, dad, like stop, I got it. And he's like, no, like 
don't go to prison. Don't get in trouble. And at the end, it's kind of a similar thing. It's like, dad, you got to trust me. And he's like, all right. Yeah, I trust you. I love you. I got to protect you. Like it didn't really change for me. Yeah. Maybe he's a little bit more well, trusting in Cassie's abilities at the end, but it still feels like it's the same story the whole way through. Whereas I feel like Janet got a lot of growth and I feel like sure. obviously Kang had a lot of arc in his story, but, and, and even Hank, I'll admit not the biggest Michael Douglas fan, this was my favorite Hank Pym we've seen so far. I, I liked really? his moments in this film a lot, but I do think Scott's story and Cassie's story, while prominent and nice, didn't feel like anything we out of the ordinary, or didn't feel like anything, or where am I trying to say? Didn't feel like anything new, felt kind of ordinary, kind mm-hmm. of like where I expected the film to go, and it didn't go to like another degree. I feel like the relationship was kind of stagnant. Uh, and I haven't even brought up the other titular character, which we will in a sec, because that's my biggest right. qualm. Oh, she was in this movie? No. And that's my biggest qualm in the movie, is, is <laughs> you're going to call this movie Ant-Man and the Wasp and the Wasp. Unless they're referring to the Wasp as Janet, then fine. But, like, that's not what they're doing. It's yeah, literally, no. oh, the last movie was Ant-Man and the Wasp, so we have to keep that title. They should have called this Ant-Man Quantumania or Quantumania. Like, don't even call it and yeah. the Wasp, because that's a disservice to that character. And I know the actress, problematic, we're not going to get into that, but it's still the titular character and and you're giving right. her nothing to where well, there's a moment where there's like this beautiful romantic moment, but it means nothing because we didn't even see them interact for the whole freaking film. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get there in a second, but mm-hmm. what I have to say about Scott and Cassie's relationship, Dill, is that I don't think that it was about their relationship changing necessarily. What I like gathered from like their time together in this film and the arc they were trying to, you know, oh, you know, from get from from point A to point B was that like Cassie the entire time is like, you're a superhero. You should be doing more. You should be helping people like all these people are displaced. You know, she starts the movie at, you know, at like a protest um, and advocating for people who are displaced from the blip like and she's just constantly trying to like, you know, basically like shake her father scott and be like no like you have the the this like incredible like these powers and this gift like you should absolutely be doing more and i felt like that was kind of like the message that was you know it was more about scott growing than their relationship if that makes sense you know what i mean yeah no i I totally see that and and carly brought up a good suggestion it would have made it would have been better if the first half was that kind of full-fledged comedy and then as soon as kang shows up boom it's a tonal shift. I actually right. would have liked that. And they kind right. of go for that, but then they still try to pepper in these jokes and stuff, especially with what well, we'll talk about soon, Modoc, which JD loved. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we had thoughts of Modoc, and I didn't hide those feelings when we left the theater because Kelsey and I try not to talk about the movie right after yeah. the theater. But we sit thoughts. in the train in silence, like yeah. nothing. Well, gets luckily discussed. we had Landon there to just tell us his thoughts because I, I think he right. really liked it. But yeah, um, another thing, uh, while we're just on the topic of it, the Wasp useless in this movie and and i don't think that's necessarily her fault i'm not going to defend evangeline lily's personal beliefs but um i do think you know if if i'm an actor and i and i see that movie has my name in the title and i see this movie i'd be upset if i was her um you right know, it, it, it sucks because it, it really is not a boss movie and there are moments where they try <laughs> at the end to like really hammer home this romance and it's like if you hadn't seen, I told Landon this too. I was like, if you hadn't seen a movie in the MCU and this was your first one, you would not even know they were together until yeah. the end. You would have been like, yeah. oh, they're together. And that should not 
that shouldn't be a thing. I mean, this is your central titular romance. Like, this mm-hmm. is the titular, this is the only romance that is, well, next to WandaVision, where they're both in the title together, you know? Right. Well, I never thought that their romance was, like, really a, like, pivotal point of, like, any no, of the Ant-Man. Like, I feel like least... it's always been about him and, like, his daughter and, like, his family. Well, that's the know? thing, but at least the last one, they at least tried to make it about the partnership. Like, it was right. called Ant-Man and the Wasp. And, and they no, really 100%. Hammer home on that. Um, no, I'm but, not trying to say yeah. that they, like, I'm not defending, like, yeah, yeah. The use of her in this movie at all because Awful. there was none. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, like, um, yep. well, but I was gonna say, do you want to talk about like some of the new characters? Yeah, sure. Well, I feel yeah. like we talked about all the things that we liked and we barely talked about Kang. And well, that's what I'm getting to. The, the new characters, obviously, yeah. like one of the yeah. best, better moments. Yeah. So there's two not characters, the best. Two characters we've seen before, movie. but in other instances, we have Darren Cross, who we saw as a yellow jacket, but now he's Modoc, which we knew from the trailers. We saw his face. Uh, it looked weird in the trailers. It still looks weird here. We'll talk about it in a sec. Kang, though, we saw an iteration of him in Loki season one. Now we're seeing him again here. That was what I was building this review up to because I wanted to kind of get the negative out of the way first because the positive is Kang. Kang is awesome. Kang is Kang. my favorite villain in the MCU, bar none. Nah, not, <laughs> not, eh. I, I would take that back. One of my favorites. Like he is, he's, he's has a potential to be the best. I really do love yeah. him as a yeah. villain, as a character. They find a way to still give him humanity, which is weird because he has done really, but they still give something. And that's where I think Janet's storyline is the best in the film next to Kang's. Uh, Cause I really like how they kind of showed their relationship. The only thing is that this movie is so Kang forward that the others kind of pale in comparison. And it almost feels like, like other people said, it almost feels like an advertisement for future stuff rather than its own film. Like it almost feels like this is a sneak peek on how dangerous Kang's going to be for when it actually matters later on. Cause in this film, it, we'll talk about spoilers, but like it doesn't really go much. It doesn't really go there. It's hard to talk about without spoilers, but, but what were your thoughts on Kang? What were your, what were your thoughts on? Kang? Well, I think that Jonathan majors is like, I feel like he's gotten such a gift just like Mm. solely as like an actor's point of view right now. Like he is such like a gift right now with this role as Kang because he just gets to play so many different versions of the same dude. And I find that so cool and I'm so jealous. And honestly, like he's already killing it. We've only seen him in two projects so far as his character, Loki and, and this movie. And like, he, he's just like, so captivating on screen. Like, and and he's just so powerful like it's so i'm just so excited for this like this is one of the projects dill where it feels like yes it's setting up future things but at least the future things that it's setting up like you're excited for like all of phase four seemed to be setting up something future question mark, Mm -hmm. but we never really even truly knew what it was setting up. Like the multiverse question mark, like we, like we didn't know ever at at a certain point, like what exactly it was setting up or at least this one, like, yes, it's a setup movie, but at least it was, it's for something so good Mm -hmm. and so rewarding that like, fine. Yeah. Give me the setup movie. I'm good. If this is what I'm going to get later on, so be it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. But yeah, Kang, I love him as a as a character in terms of villain. I think he does pose an actual threatening presence. Um, yeah. I, and I have something along that note in spoilers, which we'll talk about soon um, in like five, ten minutes. Just because we I think there's, all... there's a specific, what they do with Kang in terms of the rebel, resolution, I'm a little mixed on because I think, we'll talk about it. I, we'll talk like about the it. John the Majors is excellent. Yeah, kind of the yeah. ending, not the post-credits, but like the ending ending. Um, well, but then going I mean, the I don't want to talk about talk on behalf of the whole fandom but i just felt personally like we were all or like i at least was a little nervous like coming off of thanos and like endgame i was like how are who who's gonna be worse than this like who is gonna mm -hmm. be able to match like this unbeatable unstoppable force that's like literally a threat to like the entire universe and yeah. i feel like they fucking did it yeah, they, they found did. they found him yeah. Like this no, he, is worse there. than Thanos. Like Kang <laughs> versus Thanos. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. So and and Carly brings up a good point too. Like he's having a year. I mean, he's going to be in this movie, Magazine Dreams, that was at Sundance that did really well. And he's going to be the villain in Creed Three. So we're going to get to see him and Michael B. Jordan literally punching the shit out of each other, and that's going to be mm. amazing. And I like. And this is in the trailer, so I'll talk about it. I like how they didn't just show him with lasers and with the force, like beating people up. He they showed him right. actually just punching scott right and that alone too shows the power it's like when thanos it just like starts punching people it's like no he can also just fight hand to hand it doesn't have to yeah he doesn't have to have all the stones he's just right. as strong as it um last thing we'll talk about really quick before we get into spoilers bill murray thoughts who <laughs> kelsey doesn't like bill murray um um not only that it's just like I just it, thought he was completely unnecessary, completely useless. I do too. I, I think you get like, rid of what? I, that scene strictly seemed to be there for exposition solely for Janet to tell the rest of the people what was going on. But I feel like that they could have done that either way. Janet could have just said, Hey guys, here's what's going on. Not had Bill Murray sipping there, sipping his tea or his squid drink and being like, you guys don't know what Janet did. Oh, well, I got to tell you before we slept together. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and he doesn't yeah. even like say much. He's just like, oh, and yeah. now I'm going to have to take you to him. And then it's like, yeah, yeah. you know what yeah, I mean? Weird. Um, oh, yeah. And then we have to talk about Modoc because <laughs> I, I think for people who really, really, really couldn't wait to see Modoc oh, because they were comic book fans, they were probably really upset or most of them that I've talked to have been upset because it's like they make him into a joke in this thing. And I think another problem is also, like we said, the second half, they, in order to get what they want accomplished, they need to make it serious. And I think Modoc undercuts a lot of the seriousness with humor that mm -hmm. it's it just, it, it seemed a little childish. But then you have someone like JD here talking about how much he loved Modoc and he wanted more of Modoc. And I think I, I agree in the sense that I want more of Modoc as the villain. And, and I think we got too much of Modoc as the cheap kind of punching bag joke device. Yeah to undercut the serious moments. And I don't think we needed to under, undercut the serious moments. I think they could have kept him more serious, make him as evil as he is um, right. or as he could be. And then like, if you want to get in the humor stuff, do a Ragnarok or 11 Thunder later and then make him a joke in the next one or something, you know, like, yeah, I feel like it was just too little time and they tried to give him this full arc. And, and also Darren Cross, a character no one really cared to see again. And they just kind of felt like they forced that into like, Oh, here's how we're going to get, Darren Cross back in. It didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Mm. So, Dill, as you know, when we walked out of the theater, because this was something I did reveal to you, was that this was a surprise for me because yeah. when 
you know, we don't watch the trailers too many times. Like I watch them maybe max twice just so I can like, you know, mm -hmm. write down some talking points yeah. so we can talk about them on the pod. Um, but I really like really when things when trailers come out like so far in advance and then we talk about them and then we move on. I forget a lot of what like was shown to me, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to like, you know, like the third Ant-Man movie. Like I'm not overanalyzing that trailer because like right. that's not the project that I'm most excited for. You know what I mean? So when this happened, I was like, oh, my God, Darren Cross is in this film. What mm. bothered me about the Modoc reveal is that they literally set him up because that was Bill Murray's job in this film was to set up Modoc, right? Mm. He was like, oh, he sent the most dangerous thing in the quantum realm for you. It's a mechanism only designed for killing. Like, it's going to be so bad. And he's like literally like not scary or like threatening at all. Well, I think that's one of the examples of in a comic book that looks a lot scarier, but live action, it's always going to look stupid. It's you it reminded me of JJ, the jet plane. Do you remember that when we were a kid with like the little airplanes and it would just be these like big baby faces yeah. with yeah, the airplanes? Yeah, yeah. That's what it reminded exactly me of. It looks so goofy and so dumb that right. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah, know. the and, design and could have been movie, executed a little bit better. For, for a that. movie where you're not introducing the big bad that is going to destroy every universe ever, it works. It's an Ant Man movie. It can be silly. But when you're trying, like I said, to make it so serious and make this terrifying presence, I just don't think it works. Um, so <laughs> we will see. Yes. J JD, JD said JJ. JJ. <laughs> yep. Um, so uh, now let's just get into spoilers because I feel like this is kind of where we need to like talk a little bit more in depth. And like, I feel like overall. this is where we're going to lose Chris if we haven't lost him already. Yeah. So Chris. And, I'm just, and I just feel bad because he was like, should I still even go see it tomorrow? I, and yes, you should. Yes, you I, should. Because I think everyone should. should still get their own opinion on it, uh, Chris. I, I personally... I think liked, you'll have a better time than you think you're yes, going to have. I, I think it's still enjoyable from an entertainment standpoint. It's just, I don't know if it's the best movie. Um, and we'll talk about it now because we're going to get into spoilers. So if you have not seen Quantumania or you don't want to know what happens or if you forget it, because a lot of people have been saying that too. It's like, I forgot I even watched it because it's like such a nothing movie. I disagree with that. I, I That's still think crazy. it, it leaves I feel an like impact. Um, did you well, guys watch Thor Love and Thunder? This was exponentially better than well, that and, film. And I, I agree with that. But here's the thing, and I'll get into the spoilers right now. Kang as a presence is so scary and stuff. Yeah. But they they made it out to be that this is the one, like they said, that they exiled. Mm -hmm. He's supposed to be the most dangerous of all the Kangs, yet Ant-Man beat him. And that's kind of where I'm like, if they really want to set him up as the most terrifying presence. And and mm. JD says right here, I'm not sure Kang had the ending you think, Dill. Maybe he is still out there, that version of Kang. But, and Carly, yes, Kang yeah, is sexy. Kang is sexy. That's um, true. That's accurate. <laughs> but I don't know if killing him, even if he's not dead dead, it could have been a Wanda Maximoff thing where, is he dead? Is he not? I don't know. Yeah, sure. Doing that, though, makes it seem like he's beatable. And if your whole goal in the movie is to mm. show that this is an unstoppable presence, you don't kill him off. If anything, maybe you push him into another, open up another portal and shove him in there and close it really fast. And then it's like, where did he go? Oh no. Yeah. And then it's like the audience, like, oh no, Kang's out there. He's scared. He's scared. He's scared. But then to see the heroes just beat him and him blow up, it's like, great. That's awesome for Ant Man. But it's like, you had literally the, the tiny guy, the ant, ant guy. And I guess that's the point. Like, the little guy. Don't count out the little Look guy. Look out for the little guy. But when you have him beat 
what is supposedly going to be the most threatening villain of the MCU ever. And I get the whole mm. point with the post credits. There's going to be variants of him that are going to come to mm. play. But if this is the scariest version of Kang that they needed to exile because he's the most dangerous, this should be the one that we follow through the MCU. And I feel like to mm. kill him or at least give the audience impression that he's gone. I, I understand the thought of like Scott goes home and he's still thinking about it. It's leaving him traumatized. And then the post credit scene, we see Loki also have this traumatic traumatized look on his face, but yeah. it's like, I wish they had kept that version alive to give the audience that sense of fear of, Oh shit, we're in for something. Cause now it's like all these other variants. We've seen a nicer variant of Kang. Like, are they all, they could be all destru as a destructive as him, but are they all going to be as like, out of control scary as him you know like this right. should have been like carly said i wanted this to be our kang and i get the whole point is to introduce all these variants but it felt like they were trying to give us that satisfying heroes ending while also them being like but he's still out there in other variants and forms but it's like then what did i watch this film for merely right like why did i watch this film because at the end of the day ant-man and the wasp are still together they didn't grow ant-man and cassie are still together they didn't really i mean cassie learned how to fight i guess um modok is dead now uh kang this kang's dead so we're gonna get another kang but that's gonna be another kang we have to reintroduce janet nothing really happens to janet janet gets home fine i mean i guess she gets closure i mean i think it would have made a bigger statement i don't want to see anyone die but like if you had killed off hank or janet just to give some stakes i just feel mm -hmm. like at the end of the film what am i what am i going to take away that was my biggest problem with the film but i'd like to get sure your on this. well dill i went into this movie fully anticipating on ant-man losing Right. Because I was like, well, he like Kang Kang Dynasty is like the next Avengers film, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I and was I think like, that's also I was like, a problem he too. Yeah, Kang, I was like, if, Kang has to come out on top in this film. And that's a problem too. Is when you tell us the next Avengers movie is going to be about Kang when he dies at the end, you know that there's like as soon as it ended, I I looked at Lane and I went, wait, he, he can't be dead. They're making an Avengers movie where Kang's the villain. Which right. meant, oh, they have to either introduce another Kang, which we knew was going to happen, or he's truly not dead. It's like, when you show us so far in advance what's going to happen, mm. it makes this death mean nothing. But, but Yeah, they should have they should have introduced us to a different version of Kang, and not like the big bad, I'm the exile one because I was going from multiverse to multiverse and killing people. Kang. You want to know what would have been epic? If after the post credit scene, that's when they said, coming next year, Avengers, the Kang Dynasty. Because then we would have been like, oh shit. But now because we know it's going to be the Kang Dynasty, his death means nothing. And that's where mm -hmm. I think the whole interconnectivity of the franchise is its biggest weakness at the end of the day. Is the fact right. that we are thinking so far and ahead of what's going to happen later that it ruins what's happening in the moment. I almost like wait. I almost like I'm thinking like tonally. I wonder if the Kang, the version that we of Kang that we met in Loki, would have worked and fit better in this movie. Like you know, like the very whimsical, like mm -hmm. I'm jumping on the desk and I'm saying things, like version of Kang. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. he definitely wouldn't have been as scary. But, yeah, and then you have the evil or Kang come in at the end and be like, I'm going to finish this. And then show him like doing his Just like annihilating yeah. fucking yeah. 30 Cause, people cause, in one laser zap. Yeah, I know the, the whole thing is like, we want everyone to feel the way Scott did and the fact that he, he's, he won, but he can't stop thinking about Kang. And he's like, what's going to happen next? But then they immediately undercut that with a joke where he's like, eh, it's okay. And then he keeps walking. It's like, Oh, like, I, I don't know. I, I right. Wish, 
I just think Ant-Man was not the right way to introduce such a scary presence. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, Michael Douglas had some great moments. Like I said, I loved his Ant Army thing. Like I think that was yeah. fun where he kind of had the badass thing with the okay. hearing aid. It reminded me of Carl Fredrickson from Up, where he's like kicking ass with this hearing aid. Like he still got it, even though he's an old man. Like this was the coolest Hank Pym I've seen. I loved this Hank Pym. Yeah, Dale. I felt like sometimes this movie thought we were a little dumb. And, like, yeah. I get it. Like, a lot of time has passed between Ant-Man, the first one where we met Darren, and now this one where he comes back as Modoc. But it was just, like, these little moments of, like, montage where they, like, montage us back to, like, Darren's moments in Ant-Man. So I was like, no, no, no. You could have just shown me his face and all of them said, Darren, what the hell happened to you? And I would have gotten it. You know what I mean? And then this was another moment with the Ant Army. I just remembered this. Like I like I saw, you know, Hank throughout the film, like his earpiece was like going off and he was like, you know, here in the ants. And I was like, the ants are in the quantum realm. I just know it. They're there with them. They're going to be there. Mm. Like whatever. I felt that. And I knew that as, you know, as an audience member. But then like when we get introduced to the ant army, the movie once again flashbacks to like literally an hour earlier when <laughs> Hank Pym was like, oh. I can hear the ants. I was like, no, no, no. I picked that up earlier. Like, you don't need to show me. You don't need to remind me again. Like, mm. This is, I don't know. I just felt like, I was like, are you calling me dumb movie? No, I agree. I'm, I'm yeah. smarter than this, I think. Um, but that was very fun. Yeah. And I liked how they kind of like took on their own personality of like just being really smart and being able to like build things and like, um, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah and, and another thing I, like i said janet's storyline was so strong hopes was not um and cassie's I, I think we also have to talk about the casting which we didn't talk about but that has been a, a con uh, a point of controversy because obviously they recast the girl who played cassie the girl who played her in endgame they basically recast her with Catherine newton Catherine newton a bit of a bigger star she was in detective pikachu big little eyes freaky she was in um uh what's the movie uh <laughs> blockers blockers which is really really good i love right blockers. but like did we need a new cassie because in this movie i'll be honest the weak link for me and i love her as an actress was Catherine newton and i think it's really also i think there's a problem with just the way it was filmed and the, all the green screen there were times where she almost looked like she wasn't looking at the person she was talking to like when she'd be like dad dad she had that like line delivery and it looked like she was almost acting against nothing sure i don't know and I, she I just, probably was acting against nothing right. but she just, wasn't good at hiding the fact that she was acting yeah. against nothing. I, I like her as a presence but i don't think they did anything unique to where like we're now getting the point where all the young people in the mc are like these really smart scientists you know like shuri mm -hmm. and peter parker uh riri williams and it's like yeah what, what makes cassie any different than them like they all have something else to them whereas cassie it feels like she was there she was there but like I, I didn't feel like any sort of individuality for her character i mean like i said before dill i think that she has really just taken on this like advocate role in the mcu where like even if she doesn't have like all the brains or like fancy gadgets or whatever even though she like low-key kind of does she has this like heart in her that like you know wants 
like she's willing to like go out and like help people regardless. Like I even wrote down like one of the first things was like loved Cassie being a little like rebel slash advocate, you know, like going to protests and shrinking the cop car and like yeah. doing doing all that fun stuff. I I I mean, I didn't walk away from this movie like thinking negatively about her performance. I mean, did I no. think that she like blew me away at all? Like, no, like I thought that she was, you know, just fine at being Cassie Lang. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and JD brings up a good point that they're really building up this Young Avengers thing with, you know, having Kate Bishop for Hawkeye, having Yelena as the new Black Widow, like all these younger people kind of coming in, you know, mm. Wanda's two kids who I'm assuming will come back at some point. Like if um, they get recast, I'm going to be so butthurt because I love Julian Hillard who plays mm -hmm. Billy. Ooh. The one who, uh, you know, does magic. Tommy is the fast one. And his mm -hmm. name is Jet Klein, I believe. Wow. So um, those are two questions you'll never get in trivia now, Kel. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, I like the idea of setting up Young Avengers. But again, that's the thing. It seems like they're setting up so much stuff to where, what is this movie on its own? And I think on its yeah. own, it's like a fun adventure in the quantum realm. And then, ooh, this big bad. But again, when you kill off the big bad and at the end it's like, oh no, the other big bads are going to come in for this other big bad. It's it's just like, I, I just don't know what the main takeaway from this movie specifically was aside from stuff that's going to be developed later on. That's that's my biggest qualm. Um, and, and I see why people are leaving it frustrated, why it wasn't its own unique movie. I still think it was an enjoyable ride and I still, I don't know if I lean positively on it, but I'm definitely in the middle. I'm like at a five, six range out of 10 just because it was like, I did enjoy it, but it, it's like yeah. as a movie, it, it's got some serious issues. I think I, I really do. Um, um, I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anything else worth bringing up. I mean, David Desmalchian, great to have him back. Uh, I knew Luis and Kerr were, were going to be on it, but he played Vep. Yeah, um, Vep. the little Vep, right? It's either V E B V E B Veb. Veb, gotcha. Oh, um, you know who I missed? Who only got a little tiny little 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 mm -hmm. shot? Jimmy Woo. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Woo was in one shot of this thing. Like, didn't even okay. talk. Also, someone who I deeply miss, which is why I think tonally this movie was off. Luis. Luis. Yeah. His friend. Well, Where the was the montage like, of him telling a story? Those are pivotal Ant-Man moments. Well, and that's the thing is I think this movie, it's not an Ant-Man film and the fact that it wants to be a, um, like, kind of this preview to the Avengers film but they're using the Ant-Man movie as a way to do it. You know, like kind of like how um, I'm trying to think of like another example in the MCU that did something similar, like kind of like Dr. Strange, like they used him to do this big Wanda story when really it's Wanda's movie, not his. Um, right. But yeah, like very, no Jimmy Woo. I mean, I mean, he was there, but very little. Um, he yeah, literally he was just in that one shot. Yeah, one shot where he did the form. magic. Yeah. Um, but David Desmaltian is so great, and I love how they still used him again. Um, funny how his character in Suicide Squad is Polka Dot Man, and in this movie, he's all about holes. Um, just <laughs> something interesting. I have um, holes. Yeah. And, and I know some people didn't love that joke because I, I think some of the joke is a little childish. It feels like Ant Man humor, which is the thing. It feels like Ant Man humor. It's just done, yeah. it's presented in a film that is taking itself way more seriously than a regular Ant Man. Oh, Dill. Uh, I yeah, have jo to. Jamie ask makes a good point. Age of Ultron. This is similar where, you know, you're yeah. using. Yeah. Go ahead. I have to ask you about the dick moment between Modoc and Cassie where she's like, just don't be a dick. 
and he's like, but look at me, it's too late. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge dick. <laughs> yeah. Because Landon turned to me, our friend Landon, he was sitting in between us and he turned to me and was like, Dill's going to hate that. I can just feel it. Like Dill no, hated that. I didn't hate it. It was just like, I think Modoc in general was such a disappointment for me. I don't know. I, I just, everything that came out of his mouth, I was like, like Emil Blonsky, they turned into a joke in She-Hulk, but it's because that was the tone of that show. It was kind of like the sitcom <laughs> nonchalant thing. Jake apparently loved that moment. Yeah, Jay, Tato loved that one. Uh, biggest <laughs> laugh of the day. Or the flick. Um, and Carly loved the whole joke, so there we go. Um, oh, but, but another moment that you actually found funny was the Baskin Robbins guy. I did, I did. In the, oh, in well, the Let me really quickly talk about the, the Modox. Oh, though. yeah, yeah, it, yeah sure. it's, sorry, it's, sorry, sorry. It's, no, no, you're good. It's just it's kind of the Emil Blonsky thing. If Emil Blonsky was turned into a joke in a, mm. in, in Avengers infinity War, you know, like what I mean? Like, like it okay, just feels sure. like you could have made Modoc silly and funny in a different context, but when he's supposed to be like this huge, scary presence and he, when he's fighting, it is, which is why it's so tonally mismatched with the cracking, the humor. And because Darren Cross was just kind of a pathetic character. And I get that's the whole point. But like, right. I just, I, I don't want to see him again. I, I don't care enough. Like they, they didn't sure. make him a convincing enough or captivating enough presence earlier. Uh, his best performance, I still stand by it, is in uh, the Sopranos movie where he plays Uncle Junior as a kid or as a young guy. Like he's, he's really good in that. Uh, I think he's a good actor, but in this universe, I never really loved his character. Um, but yeah, Baskin Robbins, I loved um, the Baskin Robbins Paul Rudd, it didn't make sense yeah. with the scene because the whole thing is that they are multiplying. So why would Baskin Robbins, Paul Rudd be there? That well, I think it was, they said that it was like all possibilities. So I true, guess true, like true, that true. was a possibility where he like never yeah. became Ant-Man. And But then why is it just... one? One is different than all the rest. Like, like so then, then they should have put other you... Ant-Mans. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a crazy But I still person. love it because it was a funny moment. I, right. I laughed out loud. I'm like crazy because... In that moment, I went, wow, that is the one in like 14 million, 600 fucking whatever the number Doctor Strange says. Ooh, uh, that's chance. a trivia you don't know. <laughs> I will learn it by the end of this stream. Don't you worry. By the end of this 24-hour subathon, you can ask me the number. I'll know it. Um, what is uh, the two brothers thing? I don't. JD, explain that in a sec. Kelsey, wait, Kelsey, that's No, we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. Oh, yeah. okay. Kelsey, keep going. I'm going to have JD explain what, what he meant there in two brothers. Um, what is Alligator Ant-Man? Oh, like Alligator Loki? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's like Loki really fully explored the idea of all these different Lokis, whereas Ant-Man, it was right. trying to do the same thing. But that's not taken away. Like, this scene was probably my favorite like action piece. Like I love no, yeah. the um, the multiplying Ant-Man. It was very Ralph Breaks the Internet with them mounting on one another and 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 little Baskin Robbins Scott Lang like and then when he's at the top of the mountain and like Scott offers him that hand the Baskin Robbins Scott like I thought it was fun and and I'm a big pro Baskin Robbins guy I know Kelsey's not so um that might have also okay occurred. Dill I have a few questions that I want to touch upon yeah so I thought that there was a major plot hole in this movie okay that people have may have been pointing out since mm. Endgame but when Scott Lang is in the quantum realm for five years. He says that for him, it felt like five hours. And then Janet Van Dyne is in the quantum realm for 30 years. So you think that like, oh, I'm just going to do some simple math right now. 
and say that to her, then shouldn't it, shouldn't it have felt like 30 hours in the quantum realm? So a little bit more than a day. And, uh, and mm. then we're watching her time in the quantum realm where she like, she has all these friends. They go to the bar together. They all know who she is. She's the Janet Van Dyne. Um, uh, and then she like works with Kang on his ship to help him escape. I'm like, wow, you did yeah. all of this in a little bit more than a day. But I think that this is just like a huge plot hole that like, they didn't really think no, about. No, that's a good point. That because because time I mean? passes different. I'm wondering if there are different areas of the quantum realm where like time oh, is like... faster. Because like maybe Scott was in some sort of limbo and wasn't fully in the quantum realm. He was like in because he was kind of like floating around, whereas Janet was like there. I don't know though. Yeah, like Jake says, there there might be different chunks. Okay. Um, I figured that there'd be some like. like but again, they answer. didn't fully explain it. Like if they're gonna go so big in concept, like explain it. Like you have, you can do a longer than two hour movie. I mean, this was only two hours. There have been right. three hour three hour movies. You know, like why not Eternals? Have it? It's two and a half. Right. Like take the time to explain, it. and that's why I like Eternals so much. Is it doesn't over explain, but it explains just enough to where we care about the situations and all that stuff. Yeah, they mentioned time storms or whatever, but like again, it's it's like kind of nonchalant. Um, right. But uh, JD is explaining the two brothers when Modok dies, he calls Scott a brother. Rick and Morty joke. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah. No, I would have loved to see like a Modok Ant Man team up, and maybe maybe there will be variants of Modoc, And I think that's also a trap the MCU has put itself in is like, you can bring back any character really. Cause there's so many different multiverses and dimensions to where no deaths really stick. I mean, we thought how, how possibly did Darren Chris cross diet, Darren Chris, <laughs> not, not Blaine from Glee. <laughs> Darren um, Chris. <laughs> no, we Darren don't want cross... Darren Chris to die. <laughs> how did Darren cross die in the first, how did he survive in the first one? Like, how did he possibly survive that? Cause he got, well, he was and, like you know, all, you know, well, I know, but that's the whole thing is like they can really bring back any character, which kind of gives a sense of like, like nonchalantness for the MCU where it's like, does any death really matter? And I know Guardians 3, they're advertising it as like this final farewell. And we know a lot of the actors won't come back, but we know even if we lose Drax or Rocket, there's still other ones in the multiverse where it's like, that's the one thing that I think the MCU has set themselves into a trap for where I'm like, nothing will ever feel permanent like it did way back when in phase one or two when we would lose these big figures even bucky when we lose him in first adventure he comes back in the very next phase in winter soldier it's like yeah. and i know some stuff in the comics you can point that out like oh that was in the comics but still it's like i feel like the more permanent the better even logan so which is not mcu they're bringing him back in deadpool 3 it's like nothing can oh ever right, rest. right right nothing can ever rest and that's just i think the problem with franchising in general is they're finding too many ways to bring back people Whereas Avatar The Way of Water did a similar thing and bring back actors, but brought them back as new characters in very creative ways. Whereas I feel like the creativity here is just, oh, we opened up another portal and this person existed in that portal, so he's back. Or this person, you know, we built him robotic legs, he's back. And it's like, I, I want a little bit more creativity. I don't know. Yeah. And so, Dill, going off of all this, do you really think that this version of Kang that we watched die in this movie is actually gone? I can't feel that way because the MCU has told me not, nothing's ever dead. So no, I don't think he's gone. And even if he is, there's other variants. And, and that's the thing. Like, I don't feel like that ending sticks as well because of that too. Um, that's a good point Carly brings up too, is Janet's secrecy. She's very secret. She kept the quantum realm a secret, but if it's right. such a threat that opening up the quantum realm and having Kang possibly escape it is going to lead to human destruction, 
then yeah. Janet probably would have said something to her family. Uh, and yeah, you know, that's the whole thing. I, it's like, why, why didn't she tell anyone like Cassie opens up or at least tell Hank to where Hank can then like, tell Cassie. You hey, don't go fucking around and making satellites to uh, access the quantum yeah. realm. All she has Just, to say is, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about it, but please do not engage with the quantum realm again. That's all she had to right. say to her granddaughter. Um, another hey, thing. That's fair. She's not but then really, there's no movie. Another th a plot hole I picked up on. She's not really her granddaughter. Right. She's hopes, uh. she, their hopes parents. And you know what I found weird is that the the Cassie Cassie calls Hope Hope, but calls Hank and Janet Grandma and Grandpa. Did you notice that? That was a little weird to me. I'm like, it's fine. No, it's not weird to call them grandparents because like now Hope and 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 uh, Scott are together. But it's like you're gonna call them Grandpa and Grandma, but then you're not gonna call Hope Mom. I, I just huh. thought that was weird. Right? That's interesting, Dill. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. It's not like she spent any right extra now. time with them. If anything, she she didn't have any time with the three of them. They were all blipped. Speaking of hope, I just wanted to get this one last yeah. thought about her. Obviously, we're very disappointed in like what happened. I don't think I. I'm willing to bet that they true. had it. She does have a mom, true, but but also, I mean, she still calls. Hope's parents, the grandparents. So it was just a weird choice. Like, why right. wouldn't would she just not... call them Hank and Janet? Yeah. Because they're not married. Hmm. Maybe she doesn't like Hope. Maybe, like, Cassie's like... <sighs> Maybe they should have had a plot line where they explored that. That would have been a great way to get Wasp involved in this movie. <laughs> right. So... Speaking of that, I'm I'm willing to bet that there was maybe a different version of this movie where Hope did more and then Evangeline Lily just is Evangeline Lily, so they had to rewrite Maybe. a bunch of shit. Maybe. Um, but then but then don't call it then they should have just called it Ant Man Quantumania. You know, no, hundred like, percent. Well yeah. anyway, but that's neither here nor there. Um what I think the movie should have been was should okay it should have okay so they all get sucked into the quantum realm right and so like janet and hank are like the first to go and that's hope that's when hope is like oh gotta go like i think like hank janet go and then like cassie go and then like scott and hope exchange a look that's like well fuck we gotta go now too because like everyone we love just like mm. went in like it mm -hmm. so then they could have went in together they could have both crash landed wherever Cassie was, and then it could have been the three of them, and then just Janet and Hank together. And I think yeah. that the two, like, I think that if she was just more involved in that storyline, and then we could have explored a storyline where Cassie doesn't really like Hope, and then through this journey in the quantum realm, yeah. they rekindle their relationship, and they, you and know, they have, have an a, arc. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's what this movie should have been. That's all I yep. wanted to say. That's a good idea. Uh, Dill, we do have to you, wrap this up, but did you give yeah. this movie a rating out of? I was 10? about to say yeah. So I'm going to get rid of the spoilers here and just give our last blanket thoughts. I think Kang is awesome, but I think it's too much setting up the future, not enough focusing on the now. And I think the arcs for the characters that we already had were kind of weak, especially Wasp. But I gave this a solid five out of ten because I, I still don't think it's bad. I think, but I don't think it's great. I think it's like right in the middle, entertaining but not amazing. Um, so I'm le leaning five right now, but we'll see. And, and yeah, Carly says a good point. What if they had stayed in the quantum realm? What if someone gets yeah, trapped? Yeah, that's in what I thought was going to happen. But then we might re retread into Emma and the Wasp where they were trying to get Janet and it would have just been kind of recycling the same plot points over and over. But again, right. they keep bringing people that's back from the dead. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I'm at a five out of 10. Uh, what, what do you say, Kels? I'm embarrassed to say now. I, you went lower. 
or higher? No, no. <laughs> I gave this movie a six out of ten. Okay, yeah, that's that's right on par. Um, cool. So, so we're like right in the middle on it, but um, I definitely don't think it's the worst MCU movie, and it's, it's definitely, definitely not, not worthy of being one of the only two rotten ones with Eternals. I think there are far worse movies in both of those. Yeah, um, I can't really listen to anything the critics say because they always dislike the movies I love. So that's true. Fuck them. Um, so that was Marvelous Movie Mondays, guys. Thank you so much for watching. We're going to kind of do this outro, and then I'm going to transition to the next thing. Kelsey, stay on for just a sec. Uh, but here sure. is our, uh, our outro. Thanks, guys, for watching.